and welcome to Why Do You, podcast designed to explore the inner motivation behind why it is you do whatever it is you do. Why do you do you? Today is a special episode. I am joined by two very special guest hosts, Taylor Music and Maddie Winter. They will be turning the microphone around on me as I detail my life journey, and hopefully I'm able to shed some light on why it is I do me. Hi guys, I'm Ryan Benton. With me today is my co-host, Maddie and Taylor. Hello. I'm Maddie Winter. <laughs> and I'm Taylor Bang. Um, we have known Ryan for how long? Like Not, not that long, oh, yeah, really. No, yeah, not Pretty short long. time. Um, I met Ryan's brother, Blake, during my college first internship. And then from there, I got to know about Ryan's story, and that's kind of how we connected. And Maddie? I knew Taylor through an internship about three years ago, and Taylor and I kind of rekindled our friendship, became co-workers, and then that's how I started learning about Ryan's story. Um, and it's a story that definitely hit home with us and something that has inspired us throughout these couple of years, and we have just wanted to push him to share his story a little more um, mm-hmm. and to dive into other people's stories as well. And so... That's kind of why we're here. Um, We have a marketing background, and so that's kind of where we come into play. But yeah, no podcast, no background, but we're we're here. (laughs) We all have certain limitations that we don't allow ourselves to achieve our goals and ambitions. So throughout our life, we find ways to persevere and overcome those uh, emotional obstacles. So. I think that I wanted to do a podcast to highlight certain individuals that have been able to achieve their goals and and what they went through and and what uh, and why, more importantly, they feel inside like they need to do what it is they do, why it is that they have that drive inside and kind of explore that sort of thing. Yeah. And this is really close to home for you. So about 12, 13 years ago. I was part of a study to use stem cells to help uh, combat my disease, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Can you explain a little more of what DMD is um, for those of us who don't know? So DMD is Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It affects about one in two or 3,000 boys a year. It, uh, it's typically genetic. But with my case, it was a mutation. Uh, there was no, like, family history of it that we know of okay. in my family. So it was a huge surprise when the doctors diagnosed me with it because, I mean, my parents were aware of what muscular dystrophy was, but just just weren't expecting their son to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And luckily, my siblings have had it's not in their genetic code and it uh but anyways just a little bit the specifics of it i was diagnosed when i was three which is pretty typical but i was 12 i was uh too weak to walk and i had to start using a wheelchair and then i just kept progressing and by the time i was 20 21 everyone i grew up with in the mda community 
was pretty much passed away. Mm-hmm. I was at kind of that age where we had to figure out something, and we had this family friend that for years has always looked out for me. In my condition, and always tried to find something that could help benefit and help fight the disease. And he called up, I was about 22 years old, and said, I can't promise anything, but I think stem cells could really help Ryan's condition. And so we went down to Costa Rica at the time because it wasn't legal in the States. Then we tried this uh, stem cell therapy and I've seen amazing results. And when I started, I was at an age where doctors were preparing me and my family that it was kind of the end for me. And it started showing promising results. And here I am at 35 years old and I'm, just amazed every day and attributes so much of it to stem cells. That's amazing. So, yeah, we've, it's definitely been a, we've been advocates for it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your journey been like since that first trip? To Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I mean, not, not only the renewed physical strength, but also renewed optimism about, uh, just life in general. I mean, uh, you know, when you're given that sort of second chance that you never thought you'd been given anyway, you start to really prioritize your life and what you want it to be. And mm-hmm. then it was right around the time that I'd uh, really started discovering music, started, started discovering how to write, record, and establishing the kind of music I wanted to Right, record anyway. So, just everything shifted my priorities. I just stopped doing college and stopped doing everything that uh, hindered that being the focus of my life. And uh, and once I feel like in general, once you start listening to that inner voice and start just pursuing what you know is your passion and your drive, things just start falling into place. And, uh, you know, over these years, since that time, my disease still has progressed, but at a much slower rate. Mm -hmm. And around the, you know, time I was 22, started this band, I was still able to play keyboards and sing my own songs, but these last four or five years got to a point where I'm not able to do it all myself. So the, the falling into place I talk about is these massive groups of friends that I've acquired through playing music in town. and They've all just stepped in just so selflessly to offer their voice, their uh, any, all their musical talents. So it's become this huge uh, family that Sunshine Dreamers in general, the people that, uh, something that I would have never guessed years ago anyway. Like, and it's also become so rewarding because you see this, this one singular vision become shared by this large, large collective and everybody puts their little bit in and it becomes just this, beautiful melting pot of creativity it's amazing tell us how your band got started 
music had always been kind of a passion. Uh, I discovered it kind of in middle school, a love for it. Then I met one of my best friends, Clint, uh, in eighth grade, and, and Clint just kind of had this attitude right away, like, hey, man, whatever you want to do, we're, we'll find a way to do it. And uh, he played drums, and it was just like making music, creating music would be really cool. Let's figure a way to do it. We had no idea to write songs. And it was just mm-hmm. the two of you just at the, the time. I mean, yeah. Okay. And that's how it's always been with, with Clint and I. It just, for the moment I met Clint, it was just, he always has this saying, he, he says, uh, if you build it, they will come, like build the dreams. Mm-hmm. And, love it. I love that's, that. That's just always kind of been our motto with this band and life in general. I mean, Clint was the first person also to go with me to Costa Rica to oh, do wow. this wow. stem cells. So yeah. he's just always been there by my side. Any sort of walking into the unknown, I've always done it with Glenn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The music is that much more special and important yeah, to me because absolutely. Glenn's always been there through it. Best friend, yeah. And we also like the, the camaraderie and the doors that opens up, even meeting people like I've met. So many, so many of the most special people mm-hmm. in my life because we play music with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We met them while playing music. And it's just, I don't know, I can't say enough good things that have been brought into my life because of music. Yeah. What kind of genre do you um, prefer to play? I mean, all we know how to play is, is what comes out, but it tends to be uh, pretty rooted in like 60s, 70s. Yeah. Pop love or rock kind of music. music. Yes. Yeah, we, we love that stuff. That's Who awesome. are some of your inspo bands? Um, the Beatles is mm-hmm. like number one. Uh, we really like Flaming Lips is another big mm-hmm. band. Yes. They're from, uh, I've seen them play before. They opened have you? for Miley Cyrus when I was 17. I oh, very cool. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was a wild show. I hope you didn't go with your parents. I didn't. <laughs> I, I lived my life that night. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, I that would have been a cool show. That. It was cool. She had them play some song. Um, oh, they played Lucy in the Sky. Oh, yeah. Um, and she loved the, between the two of them, she loved it so much, she made them play again. So <laughs> we got to hear it twice. That's cool. It was so that. fun. I'm yes. going to have that song stuck in my head. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, they're such a cool uh, band in that they're from the Midwest. And they stayed in the Midwest. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've always loved them for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good band. So you and Clint, are there any other band members? There's dozens. So they kind of, you guys switch <laughs> yeah. kind of off and on, passing back forth. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's just this revolving door. I mean, and the door's unlocked. Whoever wants to kind of walk in and out yeah. mm-hmm. is completely welcome to it. We, uh, we, we love it. I mean, we've, Clint and I have had many talks about, like, well, dude, that's not normal. Like, we can't do that. We can't do that. It's like, I think we passed normal a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, says what normal is. Like, this band is 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 completely not following normal rules of what a band yeah. can and should be. And, and because of that, uh, I think we've found this really unique space. And I just am very proud of it. You mentioned, so you started out singing and playing keyboard. And then as your disease has progressed, what have you done despite your disability 
to continue to play a role in your band? Like, what do you do currently? So there's programs you get uh, that I've kind of started figuring out, like how to program music. Like you write in the notes, Mm -hmm. program the beats. So you can make these blueprints of the song. And uh, when you uh, have people that are patient enough, to listen to the blueprint with you, mm-hmm. you're able. To, I'm able to sort of direct the song through these mapped out versions of the song. Like, uh, and when you're writing pop music, there's sort of a. Uh, uh, it's not rocket science. Like once you're able to kind of establish the chords, mm-hmm. people can kind of work themselves around that. Yeah, there's applied melodies and stuff like that. So uh, there's that leeway in, in all the songs. It's like, you get it. You, you, yeah, just play and you'll, you'll, we'll get there together. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you kind of write the bones of the song. Yeah, very and much. the band just kind of collaborates and creates. Yeah, that's how it's be, kind of become, yeah. yeah. From the be- beginning, you know, I try to have at least the chord structure, mm-hmm. the vocal melody, and, uh, and some sort of rhythm. And then kind of let everybody else put their parts on top mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Awesome. Where can we find your music? Everywhere music's available. Spotify, iTunes, all that. Right on. Are you still doing, like, physical albums that you... Yeah, we did actually cassettes this last time. Oh, and really? So cool. That's and, awesome. And uh, he's like, dude, nobody's going to buy cassettes. Like, uh-huh. it's so outdated. I was like, I I think you'd be surprised, man. We yeah. sold almost three-fourths of yes, the whole thing we bought. So. And well, records are coming back in too. Exa- There's a lot yeah. of like, electronic record players. Yeah, we that, pre- we yeah. pressed uh, some forty fives, and I only had twenty made. The first day we put it out there, they all sold out. Oh my god! So oh, I was kind of awesome. blown away by that too. But I've been told people like physical, tangible yeah. things. So absolutely, I, I don't think you should ever underestimate people's uh, desire to hold something. Yeah, and... yeah, for sure. Okay, so Ryan, you have created really this really large online community over the years. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it it was not planned at all. Uh, after starting the stem cell therapy, I started to get these emails from people all over the world that either it was a parent of somebody with MD or the patient themselves, and all these inquiries asking how can I be treated? This is my story. I relate to you so much. I'm, I do this, I do that. And so many of them I found to be just as inspiring myself. Mm-hmm. Um, they're reaching out to me, telling me how much I inspired them, but in hearing their story, I'm blown away even more. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where the idea sprouted was sharing all these stories and trying to, inspire more people to uh, just do the things that they thought were wouldn't be possible in living living out their dreams and such but um, so yeah that was kind of where the the sprout of the idea came to start this podcast and can we expect to meet some of your friends on this podcast yeah I, I want to interview as many people that have inspired me and by others as possible. Mm-hmm. So Ryan, you mentioned when you were 12 is when you started to be in a wheelchair. Um, 
if you had a podcast like this to listen to, what do you think that your 12 year old self like would have thought hearing that, somebody like you? That's a really good question because my younger self, I remember just yearning for any sort of guidance to what I could do having MD, you know, like you, you go to MDA camp growing up and, and that's your only frame of reference of what what it is maybe the future to live with MD. You watch these other campers deal with this with the disease and they're older than you and mm-hmm. you kind of make a decision of how you want to live or how you don't want to live with it. Mm-hmm. You see how they react to it all and mm-hmm. in going to MDA camp I learned that if I wanted to be a teacher, I could be a teacher. If I wanted to go to college, I could go to college. Like, if I wanted to live on my own, I could... Uh, there, there's all these people that show me there was a way. I, I'm it's only the last couple of years more and more comfortable kind of expressing what I think it would be uh, inspiration, mm-hmm. like guidance to anybody else. But if I had to... Uh, to say it would just be hopefully showing that someone that that age that's 12 that it is possible to still achieve and do the things you have a desire to do despite having some sort of disability like mine uh it it's just that that old cliche saying where there's a will there's a way and yeah it might not be uh the way that everyone else is is doing the thing, but you could still find a way to make it your own, and, and that's kind of uh, my hope. So maybe what we could kind of shed light on through these other people's stories and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. What types of like talents can we look forward to hearing about that people have? Um, there are people that are Olympic athletes that I've come into contact with. They're uh, uh, world-renowned illusionists, oh. authors, and uh, most of these people have the same disease I have. But I don't want to limit it to just physical limitations. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many people out there in general that uh, that just have that inner voice and uh, say, you got to do this, you got to do this. And But there's all these uh, things they need to overcome in order to achieve it. Mm-hmm. That that's the sort of thing I want to explore and expose. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So like I said, I had no idea the kind of impact just me being treated in Costa Rica would have. And once I started to get all these emails from people all around the world, a couple friends and I thought we should do something to get back to the clinic mm-hmm. because it was all on a trial basis. So To the they, clinic in Costa Rica. Yeah, okay. so, so they were doing it all just out of the goodness of their hearts and because... We were family friends with the main doctor. So a couple friends and I started this benefit concert where our band and my dad's band and mm. just a couple of the local bands played. And we were going to just have like a song auction and uh, raise money, thinking it was going to be like 50 to 100 people. And the first one, there's three to 400 people that show up. Wow. And we raised almost $20,000. Wow. That's and it was just like this realization that this is a lot bigger than ourselves. Yeah. And so I tried doing it the next few years again on my own. 
and I came to the realization that through my brother, it could be a lot bigger. My brother was in college at the time studying entrepreneurship and business, and he started stepping in and up and grow it to where it could be even bigger. And, and, and also having that worldwide impact and stuff. And, and also, and another thing I just had no, I didn't know what a, a nonprofit mm-hmm. was really, or if I want to three, I mean, we were involved growing up with MDA, but I didn't know the legality of it. That actually set it up and what its purpose mm-hmm. is and the reach it could be. So my brother Blake has been such a key component in growing, coming together for a cure from just a benefit concert once a year to now a nonprofit that helps mm-hmm. others around the world gain access to stem cells. And we're very close, I think, to just starting a trial with uh, groups of people with MD and mm. trying to actually legitimately get a trial started. That's amazing. Coming together for a cure is actually how I I'm furthered my relationship with Blake beyond just meeting him through my internship. Um, and so Maddie also helped me through some of the marketing that we would put out for coming together for a cure. And then we settled on this podcast because that's something the three of us are super passionate yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Spreading the good and the inspiration that is out there that we just feel like people yeah. need to hear. Yeah. It's more than just a post. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a whole story. podcast. You get to hear the story, see the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's deeper. Yeah, I'm excited, guys. We're Me excited. too. I'm pumped. I've been staring at this disco ball up here, and I'm like, what if we turn it on, like, yeah, at I mean, the we... end of podcast and just have, like, a dance party? <laughs> or, I don't know. <laughs> well, we got the blue party. Today's episode of YBU is brought to you in part by Xcode Marketing. Special thanks to Taylor Market for designing our logo and also for assisting with the edit of today's episode. Bulldog Trey for composing our podcast theme and providing additional technical assistance. My brother Blake for helping me get this podcast up and off the ground. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode. Stay posted for updates. I'm your host, Ryan Benton. Until next time, keep doing whatever it is you do.